Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Come on. Good morning, church. Come on. He's more than able. Let's give him a little worship this morning real quick. If you believe he's more than able, if you believe, come on, just for a few seconds, if you believe he's bigger than football, come on, somebody. If you believe he's bigger than bigger than the issues you carried in here today. If he be for you, who can be against you in Jesus mighty name? He is more than able. And listen, we got a lot going on. The ladies conference is in a couple weeks. And so listen, it said it is just for ladies, but man, if you want to serve and we want to serve the ladies, you can sign up, man, let us know. We'd love to get you plugged into a serve team and helping serve that night and just being a part. Come on. It's good. Come on, ladies. Tell, make your man come serve you that night. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be a good night that he can serve. Uh, we're in a series called Head Trauma, and um, really been looking at things that mess with our minds, mess, mess with our hearts. Week one, we looked at depression, and uh, I don't know about you, but um, a lot of people battle with that, and it doesn't have to be some long, you know, months on end. It can be days. It can be weeks. I don't, I don't know what it is, but the enemy uses depression uh, to isolate us. We looked at Elijah's life, and uh, many characters throughout the Bible dealt with depression. And there's been a stigma around some of these topics in church, and we haven't wanted to be real or talk about it or be honest about it. And so we're just uncovering things that have been a little traumatic to us and to our minds and that the enemy uses um, to, to wreak havoc in our life. So Elijah, what happened? He, he, the number one thing that happened to him, he was isolated. The, a depression, for it to work, has to get you isolated. It has to get you disconnected from God's family disconnected from the house of God, disconnected from connect groups, disconnected from those that love you, disconnected from God, and then thinking, oh, it's worthless. I just might as well die. There's nothing in it for me. And so we see Elijah, a man of God, just like us, go through that. And um, he conquered that by getting in the cave with Jesus. The Bible says he went to a cave. It's the same cave that many believe that Moses hid in, the cleft of the rock. And in that cave, there was wind, there was earthquake, there was fire. It says God wasn't in those. God wasn't in judgment. God wasn't in the wind. God wasn't in the earthquake. He was in the still small voice. In the middle of his depression, he began to hear the voice of grace, the face-to-face with Jesus, the still small voice of God. If you want to see depression conquered in your life, then get connected to some people. Get connected to the house. Get connected to a connect group. Get into the word of God, the grace of God's word. Get face-to-face with Jesus and watch God do something supernatural in your life. Don't hide it. Don't, Don't shy away and get isolated. That's what the enemy wants. And then last week, we looked at anxiety. Um, I've heard so many good reports and stories about people that have dealt with anxiety, how good it was last week for them to really walk through that, um, how practical it might have been for their life. And I don't know if you've dealt with that. I know there's been times in my life I've dealt with anxiety. And um, we looked at uh, not, not, not fear necessarily. Fear and anxiety are a little bit different. We looked at fear being the, the thing that you can see, right? Fear is the thing that you can see, that you can fight, that you can get a weapon against. But anxiety is the thing that you can't see. It's the what ifs. It's, it's not the thing that could kill you. It's the possibility of it being able to kill you. And so a lot of us get plagued uh, with the terror of anxiety. We went all through the thought of it being a terrorist. It's not trying to just kill people. It's trying to paralyze as many people as, as it can. And so anxiety is this terrorist. You can go online and check that message out. And I really believe it'll do you some good if you weren't here last week. And then this week, what I want to do, I want to I attack shame this week. I want to go after shame. Is that all right? I, wanna, here's, I, want, I, wanna, I want the theme of this, of this morning to be shame off you. Come on, anybody ever heard shame on you? 
I believe this morning it's going to be shame off you. That's the, the mantra, just shame off you. I had a pastor friend, I'd always hear him say it. Hey, shame off you. Shame off you. Shame, shame off you. The devil's always using shame. I want to conquer shame today and uh, use the word of God, use some practical stories uh, from the Bible and um, see God really uh, destroy shame in your life. I think a lot of you deal with shame. A lot of us deal with shame at times in our life because here, here's what Satan does. He gets us and convinces us that our issue is our identity. And so shame comes on the scene and begins to try to convince you that your issue is you, is your identity. And uh, Satan always drives our identity with our issues. God always creates our behavior with our identity. It's, it's exactly backwards. And so, so you need to know who you are in Christ. And so we're going to go after it. Um, come on, anybody got any issues in here? Yeah. And, and, if you, and if you say you don't have any issues, that is your issue. That's your issue. Like we, we all have some issues. And so I'm going to jump into the story in Luke 22, 54 through 62, about uh, 10 verses here. And I want to look at uh, the story of Peter and how he failed miserably. Peter fall, falls, he fails, he, he denies Jesus. Many believe, I'm going to read you from the message translation, but many believe he cuffs Jesus. He said, I don't know that blankety blank. I mean, it's a big failure moment in his life. It says this in 54, then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. Come on, anybody ever followed at a distance because of fear, wanting to fit in, trying to blend in? Come on, young people, don't, don't, don't fail to fit in, young people. Don't, don't, just, don't just dumb down your destiny. Don't back up. Don't fear the voice of God, the message of God, what you carry, the power that you carry. Uh, Peter follows at a distance. And when, some, when, the, when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard uh, and they sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. With Jesus, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. I don't know that blankety blank. In the in the original, it's it's that I don't know that blankety blank. I don't, I don't know him. A little while later, someone saw him and said, "You also are one of them." And I'm not. Peter replied, "I don't. I'm not." About an hour later, another asserted, "Certainly, this is the fellow that was with him. He is a Galilean." And Peter replied, "Man, I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> Jesus, as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. So I don't know what type of pathway they had to make eye contact. But can you imagine? I mean, here's Peter. said, I'll never deny you. I'll die for you. All, all these big things. And he looks. And then the rooster crows three times. And Jesus like, looks around the corner. is like, uh-huh. What's up now? Just looks at him. And they make eye contact. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. And before the rooster crows today, you'll disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Was full of shame and regret in that moment and felt he let God down. My title for today is P.S. to Peter. P.S. to Peter. Let me pray for us real quick. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray today that shame would come off. That no matter where we've walked in the last few weeks, months, years, Lord, no matter where we've been, no matter what's happened, Lord, I pray shame would come off today. Satan, we just serve you notice that shame would be conquered today. We, we reveal your tactics and we bring them into the light, and we thank you that people would walk out of here lighter and free in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. Uh, Peter's messed up. He uh, went out and wept bitterly, does something that's pretty, pretty powerful. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever done anything stupid or embarrassing? Anybody? 
Anybody ever done something embarrassing? Who, who, who is, if you were gonna compare yourself to someone in the Bible, who would say, I got the Peter syndrome, that you just put your foot in your mouth all the time? That's, they call it, it's just, you just blow it, you just mess up. I, I don't know, I, I do stupid stuff sometimes. If I'm gonna be a Bible character, I probably, it's probably Peter, like, I, that's probably me. Like, I, and, and Peter's just like, he'll cut your ear off and pray for you the next minute, you know what I mean? It's like, he's a little bit confused, got bad aim, trying to kill the dude, cuts the ear off. It's like, wait a minute, Peter, that, that, you missed, you, should, you tried to kill him. Uh, I've done embarrassing stuff in my life. I've told y'all some of the things. I'm not gonna get into every embarrassing thing and have a public counseling session right now um, and reveal all the things I've done, but uh, I've done some stupid stuff. My last day, I was a terrible waiter and... um, uh, my last day of waiting tables at a steakhouse was the day I spilled the the the, um, the blue cheese dressing all over the baby's face at the end of the at the end of the of the table. They had the baby in a high chair at the end of the table at a booth. There was families on both sides, and I I was serving a, a chef salad to the mom at the inside of the table, and I had another chef salad in this hand, and it had the dressing and a cup on the side. And as I reached to give the, the chef salad to this mom, I could see out of the corner of my eye the baby making these faces like. And I, I was like, and I see the parents' faces just like wide, like, and I turn and I look, and it didn't stop there. It wasn't just the blue cheese running down the baby's forehead and into its eyes and face. That was bad enough. I grabbed a rag, one of their napkins, and just began to yell, it's not hot, as I rubbed blue cheese into the baby's face. I should have allowed the mom to take care of that mess on her own. I just inserted myself into the moment. Um, I went and resigned with the manager, and that was my last day waiting tables, as you can Assume. Uh, I uh, had a, a, a wedding I was in, and I was the best man at my brother's wedding. Pretty embarrassing moment. Again, uh, it just intense wedding moment. Come on, anybody ever been in those intense wedding moments in my family? I've had different divorces in my family, and so you add the divorces and different boyfriends and, and different family members and new, new marriages and all that, and kids and all. Come on, that, that's a little more complicated when you get into that type of wedding. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. And, uh, and so, so in that moment, we're, 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 we're having the, the the introductions and I'm meeting people and I'm the best man and my brother's there and I meet, I go up to meet his mother-in-law. His mother-in-law's there. She knows it's a stressful moment and she walks up to me and she just puts her hand out and just says, grace. And I, and I said, and grace to you too. My brother, my brother puts his hand out and goes, that's her name. I was like, I was just embarrassed. Like, it's an embarrassing moment in my life. Like I never, my brother never let me live that down. You know, every time, every time I'm around the, the, you know, Thanksgiving or somewhere, he's like, "In grace to you too." Uh, you know, those are funny. Like we laugh, embarrassing moments. But but there's moments that are that are shameful that are a little bit different. There's moments in our life at times that that shame or a mistake or a sin or a betrayal or a hurt or some kind of some kind of situation got into us and now shame begins to haunt us and it's something that we don't really laugh at. It's something that like we're really ashamed of. And if we're going to be honest, all of us have some type of thing that we're ashamed of in our life. All of us have something that we've wrestled with. Peter's shame here. He's in this moment, Jesus' toughest hour, God needed him. Peter is the one that proclaimed, I will never die. I will never, never deny you. I'll die for you. I'll, I'll, till death do us part. Like I'm, I'm in it with you, Jesus. Come on. Have you ever overestimated your love? Have you ever overestimated your strength and your power and your dedication? Come on, I don't know if I'm talking to you, but I'm talking to me right now. I've overestimated things in my life at times and thought I was stronger than I was. And and here's Peter in this moment. He's overestimated, denies Jesus three times, and shame sets in. Shame begins to 
isolate him. He begins to think, hey, there's no hope. Uh, I don't know what to do. Here's, here, here's what happens. Listen, write this down. The enemy always uses shame to separate you from God. No matter what you've done or what's been done unto you, the enemy takes shame and begins to use it to isolate you and to separate you from God. Why? Because God's the only source, the only one that can destroy shame. Jesus wrestled with shame publicly on a cross so that you can live with it and so that you can live without shame in your life. He wrestled with it and not in private. He dealt with shame so that you don't have to deal with shame. And the reality is he's the only source in our life that can destroy shame. And so Satan is so good at bringing shame into our life and accusing us to separate us from God. My oldest son, he's 20 years old right now. And uh, man, he's coming by the house. He moved out, coming back by the house, trying to get a little meal every now and then. And uh, we're trying to make sure we, we didn't know how much he'd come around. You know, he's kind of moved out. We kind of watched him. We still got the Life 360 on his phone. It's awesome. Like he's never asked us to take it off. So we didn't, we don't. <laughs> He's 20, we're going to track him till he's 40. Like, where are you going, son? <laughs> and uh, so, we, you know, we're watching him, and he comes by the house. And not only does he come by to get a little meal, he comes by, and he wants to sit down, and he starts talking to us. And my wife's like, he's talking to us. And like, he's sitting around the dinner table, and he's telling us about his day and his life. I mean, those are precious moments, because we remember the days when he hated us. Come on, teenagers. Come on, parents. We remember the days when he was ashamed that we were alive, that we existed as humans. I think I'm a pretty cool dad. I'm like, I'm a pretty cool dad. He's like, I'm ashamed of you. Like, you will not. In his freshman year, I remember he wouldn't even come near me. We had to drop him off at a distance. We'd, we would leave him at the dance. We weren't even allowed to pull up the hill. Like, we would have to drop him. Come on, any parents know what I'm talking about? They're ashamed. They, they're angry when you're near them. Like, why are you angry at me? He would distance himself, ashamed of us, until he needed $20. Until <laughs> he was a, hungry for a snack at the movies. Hey, Dad, oh, you're not, suddenly, you're not ashamed of my existence any longer. Here, here's the reality. You begin to separate yourself from the very creator that made you. You separate, shame separates you from the source of everything you need. Shame separates you from the supply. Shame, shame separates you from the thing that can actually destroy shame. And the enemy wants to use it to get us to isolate ourselves from God and to hide from God and to hide from each other. It makes me and you distance ourselves from the creator. My son, he came back. I was like, man, I created you. I made you, boy. You're going to be ashamed of me. You look just like me. <laughs> My daughter hates that. She gets so mad. She, the other day, she actually admitted it for the first time. She's like, I look just like you. I'm like, you, that's the first time you've admitted that in 16 years. She's like, well, everybody tells me. I can't deny it any longer. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're blessed, girl. You're highly favored and blessed. <laughs> Genesis 3, in the beginning of time, here, here's Adam and Eve being tricked by Satan. They're being accused. And here's the pattern of what the enemy uses in Genesis. In the first very chapter, that we find the gospel. We find Satan. We find temptation. We find the, the sacrifice for sins. We find it all right here. In 3, verse 7 through 11, it says in the New Living Translation, at that moment, their eyes were open. So Satan tempts them. They eat. They sin. They mess up. They have a moment. They mess up in a moment. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. 
So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. This is the same battle we face today. They cover themselves. When the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking among the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden. So I hid because I was afraid because I was naked. And God said, who told you that? Satan uses sin. He tempts us. And then he gets us to mess up for a moment and we mess up in a moment and then he begins to accuse us and tell us that's who we are. And then he lets shame set in because we think that's who we are. And then all of a sudden now we begin to try to cover ourselves with something we could never cover. And then in that we get afraid of God and we hide ourselves from God of the one that can actually heal and help us. It's this horrific cycle. Shame leaves us in this state where they, they, they felt uncovered. Here's what's amazing. If you read the story slowly, it says that they sowed fig leaves. If you go in order and read this slowly, it says that they, they sinned, they messed up, they're tempted. Now they feel shame. And then they sowed fig leaves onto themselves to cover themselves. And then God shows up a couple verses later and says, hey, where are you? And they say, we're hiding in the garden because we were naked. Wait a minute. Two verses earlier, they sewed fig leaves on themselves. They, they weren't naked any longer. They still had this covering that they put on themselves. But here's what shame does. Shame uses an external circumstance to, to drive an internal condition. And so, so even though they had put fig leaves on and covered up some stuff, they still felt fearful and uncovered and vulnerable on the inside. That's what the enemy does. He wants you to try to cover some stuff, but you still feel uncovered and vulnerable and fearful your whole life because you never turned to Jesus and got real about the issue. And I think the enemy's just done that too long where he's left us feeling uncovered. It's like, it's like someone that just sleeps with just a sheet. Come on, where are my heavy comforter people? You need a weighted blanket. Where are my weighted blanket people? Just a sheet? I feel like somebody could murder me with just a sheet. Like, I, like I, need, I need some weight. I need some down. I need some, some heaviness. I need, I need some covers. Like, shame is always having this cover war with you where it's not weighty enough and you don't feel covered and you sew stuff onto your own life and you still feel vulnerable all the time. That's what shame does. Years ago, I was on a retreat from our church and we used to do retreats over the weekends. And I was with a friend of mine. He was part of the retreat and he was probably 24 at the time. And uh, we were praying for each other and there's the evening session and we prayed and it's a moment where people get honest and vulnerable about different things in their life, not publicly, but like they write things down and just get the stuff out that many of you have been carrying and never got out. And he came to me privately and he said, hey, pastor, I need to, I need to share something I've never shared with anybody. And he began to kind of hyperventilate, began to shake a little bit, a little, a little kind of convulse even. And I was like, man, it's okay. You're safe. He began to weep. Couldn't even get it out. I, I just hugged him and put his head on my shoulder and he just began to cry. We just sat there in that moment for about five, 10 minutes. It felt like forever and he's crying and, and I was like, man, it's okay whenever, whenever you need to share, man, get this out, man, don't let this stay. And he said, listen to me. He goes, when I was 11 or 12 years old, I was molested by a, a babysitter that was part of a friend of the family. This, this guy molested me and he goes, and I'm 24 right now. And he goes, and every day, every day of my life since that moment, I've tried to do everything in my power to prove to myself that's not who I was. So I've slept with every girl I could. I've beat up every guy I could. I've fought, I've drank, and I've slept around. I've done everything I could to prove to myself that that's not who I was. Can I tell you that some of you have been covering up 
have been doing everything in your power to prove that that sin or that thing or that thing that happened to you or that thing that you did, you've been doing everything. Satan's been telling you that's who you are. He's been trying to say that's your identity and you've been covering up with all types of stuff, trying to cover yourself, still feeling vulnerable, still feeling ashamed, still feeling like I can't get to the bottom of this thing. And God's saying, no, 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 you can't cover it. Don't cover it. Stop trying to cover yourself. Jesus, in the story, God goes and sacrifices two rams, two animals, kills two animals, a blood sacrifice, takes the skins, the tunics, and puts them on Adam and Eve. Literally a picture that you and I are covered by God. It's not that you have to cover yourself. God covered you at the cross. God God covered you with his blood. It's paid for, past, present, and future. You have have the righteousness of God on you. What's righteousness mean? You have the rightness of God on you. In Christ Jesus, you're as right as you'll ever be. Past, present, and future, you're right with God. Quit trying to cover. Quit trying to prove. Quit trying to, to, to make it all perfect and make it look right. Just, no, 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 no. Draw near to God. The Bible says you draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Shame drives us away from God, the only one that can help us the most in the situation when we need him the most. He covered me. He covered you with Jesus. Shame I say it this way, shame's a terrible spouse stealing covers all the time, trying to take my cover. I'm not going to let shame do that. Jesus covered me. God covered me. Shame doesn't help me. Shame drives me and you deeper into our own dysfunction. It makes a, an accusation of us and it gets us to hide from God. Here's what Satan does. It's a cycle, a cycle of shame. He tempts us. We just read it. He tempts us. And then, and then he, he gets us to fall, gets us to mess up. Then he says, that's who you are. And you'll never change. That's the cycle that he brings our way. Years ago, I got a speeding ticket. No, excuse me. I got a, a traffic light ticket. Anybody ever got a traffic light t- ticket? Those are, those are from the pit of hell. You shook your head like kind of. Kind of. I don't know about it. I need to talk to you after church. I don't know what kind of means. You got a good lawyer. I know that. <laughs> Here's the thing. I was pulling into my neighborhood. Lived there six years. Took a, there's a stoplight, turned into Golf Club Road right there by, by Paper Mill, right, right where Whole Foods is. Turned in, I've been turning in there six years, got a ticket in the mail. I was like, what a ticket in the mail? It was a month earlier. I'm like, I got a ticket in the mail a month earlier? What in the world? I'm ticked off, turned on right. I was like, you can go right on red. Where are my right on red people? You can go right on red. And I, and I called him up. I'm like, I can go right on red. I'm like, what's up, lady? Well, I can go right on red. She's like, yes, you can, sir, but you rolled right through the light and you didn't even stop for the amount of time you're supposed to stop. Go back and look at the video. I'm like, go look at the video. I was like, that was a month ago. I was like, I've been driving good for six years into this neighborhood. You're going to go video me one bad day in my life? Where are all my points for doing it good for a thousand times? I turned into this neighborhood a thousand times and did great. You're going to record one bad blurry video of one moment in time without me even knowing and want me to go review it and mess with my mind and pay a fine for a moment in time that doesn't have anything to do with my life the last month? No, you're the devil. (laughs) Traffic light video operator is from hell. I just know that, like... If you're one of those, I'm going to pray for you. We'll have a service up here right after private. I mean, you're going to, you know, that's just like the devil, like accusing you, taking a private video of you, a snapshot of a moment in time when you mess up, not giving account to all the other good stuff you've done in your life, all the growth, all the blessing, all that God's done, and making you go review that day after day after day when it's this bad little blurry video of your life. That's what shame does. Here's the reality. Here's what you need to do when you face shame. Write this down. When you face shame, Here's what's so important, so practical. Remember the right things. Remember the right things. Like, yeah, I messed up in that moment, devil. 
But I also remember that Jesus did this and I've got friends here and people are for me here and there's faith friends around me and I've got a great church and I have people in my life. I'm going to remember the right things. I'm further than I used to be. Come on, devil, you can't mess with me. I'm not going to go back and review that video any longer. I've got an advocate, a lawyer. Jesus fixes my ticket, somebody. Come on. I can go to the throne of grace anytime I need to obtain mercy in time of need. Some of you need to know, you've been dealing with this for 20-something years in your life. You need to know that today is a day you can take that ticket to Jesus and go, Jesus, I need you to help fix this ticket in my life because I can't do this on my own. I can't cover it. Satan brings condemnation. You and I need conviction, but Satan brings condemnation. I need conviction. Conviction is this. Conviction is God telling me that I need to change something by the power of the Holy Spirit. Conviction is saying, you know what? There's some areas in your life you need to change. But what does he do? When God convicts me of something, then he gets involved in it and helps me change it. I don't have to do it in my own strength. I don't have to cover it myself. What does Satan do? Satan brings condemnation, which is the, the counterfeit of conviction. Condemnation is from Satan. And what it says is that you'll never change. This is who you'll always be. That's the counterfeit. It tries to convince you. Condemnation tries to convince you. You can never change. That's why we have Romans 8.1. Look at this powerful verse. Romans 8.1. Many of you know it. There is now no condemnation. Come on, let's all say that together. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now. There is now. There is now. There is now. There is now. 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 That's why Satan wants to get you in the when and the then. Because he knows that Christ is in the now. He knows God is always present in the now. God is present when you made the mistake. God is present in the now when you blew it. God is present in the now. He's present in the moment. And you're going, well, what about when I messed up? What about then, Satan says? What about when you did that? What about then when that happened? And over and over and over, he tries to get us out of the now there's no condemnation in Jesus. I'll just encourage you today, right now in this moment, go, you know what? There's no condemnation for me. I'm not going to let that tag me. I'm not going to let that identify me. I am in Christ. His blood paid for it. Why do you, why do you keep paying for something he already paid for? Why do you keep beating yourself up over something he already died on behalf of? I just want you to walk out of here today going, you know what? Shame off me. Like, I'm not going to let the enemy keep bringing that up in my life. I'm going to remember things right. Devil, you're not going to use this against me any longer. Peter's shame. He's denied Jesus. He's feeling regret and remorse. It says he went out and wept bitterly. I mean, think about this. This is important for you to get today. Jesus predicted his denial. He said, you're going to deny me three times, Peter. Peter's full of shame. Jesus predicted that he'd mess up this way. He goes, I, I predicted that you'd go wayward. I predicted this. Here's the thing. God is God. Like Jesus is Jesus. He, he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He makes known the end from the beginning. He wrote your story. He wrote it. You didn't surprise him. You didn't surprise God. You, didn't catch, you can't catch God off guard. God didn't go, oh, crap. <laughs> here's what's beautiful. Get this in your heart right now. If you can't surprise him, you can't disappoint him. If you can't surprise him, you know where disappointment comes from? Oh, wow, I didn't expect them to do that. 
Oh, I didn't know they would behave that way. Oh, wow. Our kids disappoint us at times. Our spouses disappoint us. We disappoint ourselves because we didn't expect that. But God, God is God. God predicted that he would, he would actually deny him. And he wasn't mad at him. He wasn't upset with him. He wasn't ashamed of him. He didn't deny Peter. He didn't back himself up from Peter. Come on, some of you are so ashamed. And God's saying, you know what? I predicted this. Come on, Jonah got a whale, everybody. In the middle of Jonah's waywardness, he gets a whale. You know, God has already planned for your waywardness. God's already planned for your mistakes. Uh, now, listen to me. Some of y'all are going to leave out here and be like, he just said we can go do whatever we want. We can just go wayward. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that for the online people and the in-house people. I didn't say just do whatever. I'm just saying God's already predicted. God's already planned. God already knows. You can't surprise him. And it's important because some of you are so ashamed of your whale. You thought it would be carnival cruise and lobster. I get it. But it's the belly of a whale. Come on, anybody. A whale got you here today. Come on, you didn't get here by yourself. God got you. God predicted and planned. Jonah thought he'd get there. He got thrown overboard and had a whale. Some of you are so ashamed of your whale. You're ashamed that you got fired. Well, God would just refiring you to give you a new position and a new job. Some of you are ashamed of the bankruptcy, but God was realigning the tools that you needed to be successful in the next thing. Some of you are ashamed of the breakup, but God said, I was saving you from a life of pain. Some of you are ashamed of the unplanned pregnancy, but God was saying that you weren't going the right way, so I had to give you a child that rearranged your destiny so you knew where to walk and how to walk for your future. A whale got you here. Your steps are ordered by God. Some of you are ashamed of the thing you walked through for all those years or the prison sentence or the, or the stint that you had to pay. It's okay. God used it. Stop being ashamed of the whale in your life. It says that they overcame by the, by the power of their story, by the, by the power of their whale. I was sitting in the lobby this morning, had met a guy, first time today, came up to me. He said, man, I love the grace in this place, the power of God. He said, he said I, he's like, I died and went to hell for 15 minutes. He goes, thank you for not being a religious church. Thank you for being authentic. He started telling me a story, how he got saved and the power of God and came back to life. He drank a whole gallon of tequila and tried to kill himself. Amazing story right there in the lobby. It was a whale. I just heard a whale of a story right out there in the lobby because of the power of God. And many of you have those stories in your life that you're ashamed of. And God's saying, please stop hiding it because that's where Satan is operating to continue to breathe shame into your life. He's going, I want to use that to bring me glory and to bring me honor. The enemy will take every opportunity to shame you and I. It becomes this sound of shame. I'm just asking you, run to Jesus. His blood... His sacrifice covers every bit of shame and guilt and sin that you've ever committed. I, I know that that's, oh, that's simple. That's the gospel. But we don't live it and walk it every day in and day out when Satan begins to whisper and shame us. We begin to back away from God and from each other. I'm just asking you today to press into relationship, press into connection, get into a connector, press into some, some people that you can be authentic and real with. You need to hear this. Somebody in your life needs to know everything about you. Somebody, because you're only as healthy as your secrets. And, and God can't heal what you won't reveal. Uh, he, just, he, just does, he just doesn't operate that way. The Bible says in James, confess your faults one to another, like things that you're struggling with so that the Lord might heal you and raise you up. There's power. For, forgiveness deals with yesterday. Confession deals with tomorrow and healing. There's power in what I'm talking about today. Peter gets this P.S. in the Bible. I love it. Peter's going through shame, going through guilt. He gets this P.S. moment. This is my thought for today. I'm going to wrap up. In John chapter 20, 
John is an amazing gospel. He writes to the world. You know, we, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew writes to a certain audience, the Jews, and Mark writes to the, 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 the Romans, and, and, and Luke writes to the Greeks, and then John, the gospel of John. T.D. Jakes would say it this way, the spiritual gospel of John. The spiritual gospel of John, the gospel to the world. It's the gospel to mankind. It's not just one specific crowd. It's the, it's the gospel to all humanity. And John writes this, and he sums it up in chapter 20. He ends the, he ends the, 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 the story. He ends the book. He ends the chapter. And, and he, he says it this way in verse 30. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. He's saying Jesus did all kinds of stuff, but these are written that you may believe. Like all these things in John are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name, the end. But it doesn't stop there. There's a whole chapter 21. It's like, why do we have a chapter 21 that begins to record Peter and Peter's restoration and Jesus and Peter meeting out at the Sea of Galilee and they're having breakfast and we get this conversation. It's just weird. It's just out of place because chapter 20 is the end. If you, you know, any type of writing, if you study writing, it's the end. He summed it up. It's end of story. But all of a sudden it was like John put the pen down and the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 no. You're not done yet. I need you to keep writing. And he picked the pen back up. And in John 21 verse 15, he says this, this is known as the restoration of Peter's calling, the commission of Peter's, restoring dignity and honor and, and hope to Peter. He's calling him back to ministry. It's a big moment in Peter's life. Verse 15, he says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? M many people think that Jesus was talking about the fish that Peter had denied him and was in shame and left and went back out to Galilee and started to fish again and didn't know what to do. And he did do that, but Many people think that Jesus is referring to the fish. Do you love me more than this earthly calling? Do you love me more than this job? Do you love me more than these fish that you went to catch? Do you love me more? Do you love my calling more? That's not what Jesus was doing. Jesus was saying this. Do you love me more than these? Because Peter, a few days earlier, said, I love you more than all the disciples. And his pride and his ego and his arrogance and his overconfidence and his strength and his ability to serve God, which we walk into sometimes, he said, hey, Jesus, I love you more than all these. And even if they all deny you, I won't. So Jesus is just humbling him a little bit and saying, hey, Peter, are you done overestimating your love? Are you done overestimating your strength? Are you done overestimating what you can do? Do you love me more than these? And Peter, in a humble moment, was like, God, you know I love you. Jesus uses the words agapeo, do you love me? Do you love me till death do us part? Do you, do you till death do me part? Peter, do you till death do us part? And Peter changes the word to phileo. You know I'm fond of you, Lord. You know we're friends. I think he was understanding that he was overestimating himself originally, and he just backs up a little bit. He's like, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't say that anymore. I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be that arrogant any longer, Lord. I don't know. You know I'm fond of you. And Jesus says it a second time. Hey, Peter, do you agape owe me? Do you, do you till death do us part again? Peter says it a second time. God, Jesus, I, I phileo you. You know I'm fond of you. And then Jesus does something interesting. He lowers the third time his word. He says, hey, Peter, do you, do you phileo me? Let, me? let me come down to your level, Peter. Let, let me come down to where you are. and Let's get this L word out in the open. Let's get the relationship and what level it's on out in the open. Let's, let, me, let me get down to where you are. Because your love is fickle, but my love is forever, Peter. Let me just come down. Do, do you, are you fond of me? Are you friends with me? Yes, Lord, you know I am. Feed my sheep. Jesus is saying, listen, Peter, you're going to, 
fail. It's okay. My love is forever. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter how you've blown it. My love is not fickle like your love. I am on the scene with you. What I'm saying to you today is no matter what you did or what was done unto you, God's love is forever. God's love is not fickle. And God's love restores you. When, when Peter, when this book chapter is being written, listen, what's so crazy. When John is writing this, Peter's reputation was destroyed. Jesus cures that. His honor and his mission was gone. Jesus cures that. They have this moment, this meeting. Jesus heals that. Peter goes on to live his life. When John writes this, Peter's dead. John writes this in 70 to 90 AD. Peter died in 60 or 64 AD. Why is the Holy Spirit painting this? It wasn't to restore Peter's reputation. It wasn't to let the apostles and the church know that Peter was okay. Peter was dead and gone. He had done his thing. I think the Holy Spirit was pinning this to tell you and I that when we read chapter 21, Peter got a PS to his problem. He got a new chapter in his life that we can read it and go, you know what? His failure, God actually used to reaffirm his future and his faith and his calling that God had for him. And I just want to tell you today, man, there's, there's a calling and there's restoration. And not only does God restore your calling, he restores dignity today. He restores honor to you today. He restores grace and peace to you today. That there's no shame, shame off of you today. Come on, tell three people, shame off you, shame off you, shame off you, shame off you. And this morning, you might need a PS. You might need a chapter 21. Can I just tell you, God's here to give you a new chapter. I know the battle I've had with shame in my life from certain things. And I just, I just pray today that you leave here lighter and that you leave here with shame off of you in a new way. I want to pray for you. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe God supernaturally to take some things off you. Some of you have been wrestling for 20 years. Young people, some of you young people, you've been going back into the same pattern over and over and over because Satan's tempted you. You fall, you fail. He puts shame on you. You hide from God. You hide from people. You beat yourself up and you go back into the same habit and pattern. Can I tell you that today is a day that you can break the pattern. You can break the habit by the power of God's love, not the power of your self-dedication, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and in this place. Yes, we're fond of you, Lord. Yes, we love you, God. We know you're bigger than that love. We focus on your love today. Come on, would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your heart in this house. Thank you for, your, for the whale that you used to get us all to this moment. Thank you that you already pre-planned for our waywardness, that you planned when we would disobey. You knew the pain and the things and the hurts that would be done unto us. Lord, help us and help us not to try to cover ourselves. Lord, we don't want to use success or medication or relationships or promiscuity. Lord, we don't want to use any of those things to cover up ourselves, to try to satisfy or gratify things that we can't cover, oh God. Lord, we're vulnerable to your love today. No one looking around, just for a second, if you're in this place and say, you know what, I need a chapter 21. I need a, I need a new chapter. There's some things the enemy's been throwing at me, some shame or some things I've been wrestling with, and I need, I need a reaffirmed chapter 21 from the Holy Spirit today. Would you put your hand up to me? Just, I, need, I need you to pray for me, Pastor. I need a chapter 21. Come on, hands across the room. If you're watching online right now, just type in, I need a, I need a fresh start. I need a chapter 21. I need a new chapter. I want to pray for you as well. Father, you know every hand. You see every heart. Lord, you already predicted where we'd walk, where we'd be. You're, you ordered our steps. We believe that, God. If we're in you, Jesus, you've ordered our steps. You've numbered our hairs. You know our breaths. You know the days of our life. You know our rising and our lying down. You know our, our coming and going. You know it. We didn't catch you off guard today or yesterday. 
We won't catch you off guard tomorrow. We thank you for having us in your hand, having us in your love. I pray for anybody that put their hand up, Lord, that shame would come off them supernaturally right now in this moment, that they couldn't be accused of it any longer. It, it wouldn't be a video in their mind any longer. They wouldn't have to recount or replay that any longer. They would remember the right things from now on, oh God, that they're your son or your daughter today, oh God. Holy Spirit, would you play the new video, the new chapter in their mind? The word of God would ring loud in their mind and in their heart. I thank you for shame coming off right now. And just for another second, no one looking around, just a holy moment in this room. If you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you did it years ago and you've walked away from God, maybe you've went wayward and you know that Jesus isn't your Lord and your leader, that you're leading your own life. A lot of times what that feels like is you're carrying your own shame. It's heavy. You're carrying your own guilt. It's heavy. You're carrying your own mistakes. We can't. No, in my life, I covered my shame, my guilt. I covered myself with trying to do everything I could to cover up the lack of God in my life. And the Bible says this simply. If you're watching online, this is for you right now. If you're in this room, this is for you right now. The Bible says this, that Jesus Christ came to this planet not to form a religion, not, not, to, not to, to make us follow a bunch of rules. He came to this planet, lived perfect, and then died a sinner's death on a tree, was ridiculed and beaten and murdered and wrestled with shame and disgrace on a tree publicly so that that could all be taken off of our life and we could have a fresh start with God. If you're in this room, maybe you need a fresh start for the first time or maybe the thousandth time. I don't know. But today you need a fresh start with God. I'm not going to embarrass you or bring you forward or make you stand up, but I'm going to ask you to put your hand up to me in a minute. If you're watching online and you need a fresh start with God, would you just type in fresh start right now? I want to pray for you. And if you're in this room and you know you've been carrying your own life, you've been carrying your own shame and guilt, it's just too heavy. You're saying, you know what? I need a relationship with God. I need a fresh start with God. Would you put your hand up boldly to me right now? Pastor, pray for me. I need a fresh start this morning with God. Come on, put it up high. Thank you for your boldness, sir. I need a fresh start this morning with God in this place. Thank you for your courage. I need a fresh start. God, you see every heart. You see every hand. Come on, church. People saying yes to Jesus. Yes to heaven. Yes to a fresh start. Yes to shame leaving. Yes to guilt leaving. Yes to sin leaving. Saying yes to Jesus. I'm going to pray a simple prayer with you. There's no magic in the words. It's just a prayer of surrender. Would you pray this with me and mean it from your heart? If you didn't put your hand up but need to, put your heart up right now in this prayer. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I believe that you came to this planet as God and as human, that you lived perfect, sinless life, and that you went to a cross and died as me. You took all my sin and all my shame, all my mistakes. You took it all and you nailed it to a tree. You didn't stop there. You rose from the dead, proving you are God, proving you have the power over death and hell, over Satan, over shame, over guilt, over sin. You have the power over all that. You took all that, rose from the dead. I believe that. And then you gave me a brand new heart, a fresh start, Fill me with your spirit today. I believe that you're God. Lead my days. Lead my life. Let me bring you honor and glory until I see you, Jesus, face to face in Jesus' matchless name. Come on, everybody. Can we give a little praise to the Lord in this place? Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.